The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
still that tapping was, her toes. Yes, that was fun. <laughs> Mr. Roboto. Oh, full disclosure, folks. Johnny has been looking for a reason for many, many an episode to play that song. <laughs> Not really. I'm pleased that I finally served one up to him on a silver platter. I said, Johnny, this is the one. Go for it, brother. Well, see, the reason he's bringing this to life, folks, is because, <laughs> and I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, sure you were. But well, uh, you, just, you served it up on a platter yourself. All right, all right. After 140 episodes, this being 141, Damn. Uh, our good friend and comrade, Michael Sean Lee, is, is taking the producer credit on this episode. <laughs> and, uh, both, and Johnny is drinking heavily, folks. I'm trying. He's drinking I'm trying. heavily. The, uh, the whole thing is, is his brainchild. The main topic, the subtopic, I had just a, a yeoman's input with the gems. Yeah. So, But truth be told, Johnny is the executive producer on this, and I have been bugging him now for weeks <laughs> to address this topic. And he finally got used to me being the colossal pain in the ass that I have been being about it. I said, all right, fine, fine, go for it. So here we go. Right. Yes. Yeah. But the caveat was he got to play Mr. Roboto. So. Well, because it matches the theme. So it does. of course it truly does. That was uh, Mr. Roboto by Styx, everybody's favorite at one point elevator rock, and then at the next <laughs> point like stadium rock show, uh, band of the seventies into the early eighties. Yeah. This one of their uh, this was their last hit, which many of their fans considered them jumping the shark. Uh, it did go up to number three on the Billboard Top One Hundred back in nineteen eighty three off of the album. Kilroy was here. Yep, yep. And for those who don't know, Kilroy was kind of a imaginary character from World War II. Yeah. Where the soldiers would write in place. And even as kids, we'd write it in our books. Kilroy yeah. was here. With and it's no, like, no comprehension whatsoever. No idea what, what it was. Meant, you know, it was we cool. like, it's yeah. another name for a saboteur. Yeah. Go figure. And do you remember the album cover? I do. Well, I have a picture those. of yeah, Mr. Ravato yeah, on it. Yeah, totally. Yep. Totally. Very, very cool. This was back when album covers were a thing. Right. And that uh, the costume, if you will, of Mr. Roboto was actually designed by, I believe it was Stan Winston. Really? Who went on to do all those famous monsters in the movies oh, and yeah. everything. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's that. And it's also credited for popularizing the Japanese phrase, domo arigato. Indeed. And which means what? Something Asian. I don't is that know. what it is? Yeah, something Japanese. No, it, means, it means thank you very much. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Domo, arigato. Very good. You say domo like we say domo. <laughs> you might remember that from Kill Bill. I kind of do. Okay, I kind of do, yes. All right, so yeah. we're going to let you just take over here, sir, and run with thank it. Thank you, Johnny. It's well, uh, it's topical, and it's important. Yeah. That's why we're doing it. Well, I kind of I kind of um, have a funny way of creating my own titles for the episodes. Johnny is is the master but I, you know, just for my own They're own called taglines, sir. Yeah, is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> so the tagline I came, I came up with was uh, Revenge of the Nerds on Steroids for this one. And uh, I'm going to freak Johnny out and make a Bible reference here, even though I am the very definition of a heathen. But uh, I think when, uh, when they wrote the Bible verse, Matthew 5, 5, uh, Blissed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, that they had no idea. This was not what they had in mind, quite frankly. And, uh, of course, we're talking about what everybody's been talking about recently, the uh, emergence of the open AI chat GPT. That's a mouthful. What, what is that in layman's terms? Uh, GPT stands for a Generative Pre-trained Transformer, or Transformer, Transformative. Say what? And in all honesty, if you understand what the hell that means, you are a better <laughs> man than I. But uh, it powers the, uh, the Bing search engine. And apparently was trained on millions of pages of internet writing to understand and respond to text-based inquiries. And, uh, of course, it can compose uh, in almost any style requested. And uh, I don't know about you, but the fact that it was based on millions of pages of internet writing, knowing what I know about what's out there on the internet, that mm -hmm. doesn't help me sleep at night. It really does not. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was launched in November of 2022, just recently. Uh, within five days of it being available, over a million people were using it. Uh, just to give you an idea of how fast that saturation level is, with Netflix, it took over three years for them to hit a million users. Uh, even Facebook took 10 months to hit a million. Spotify, very popular, five months to hit a million. This hit it in five days. And uh, that's like, wow. Um, and I got to say, in situations like this, we're our own worst enemy. Mm. We really are. Supposedly was limited to the writing already existing, uh, but it calls, it calls itself, and how's that for a freaky term? It calls <laughs> itself uh, a machine learning model. Learning. Mm -hmm. Keep that word in mind, folks. Its intent, to reinvent everything 
uh, from online searches to digital assistance to information writing, content creation research, uh, customer service, uh, finding information, reshaping it, and making it useful. Uh, kind of freaky-deaky, just a little bit. Well, useful is, is certainly in the uh, eye or ear of the beholder. Yes. You know, my, my first thought when you <laughs> circled back to say that this thing is kind of culling its knowledge from the internet, mm. um, I go back to, I'm not sure which one it was, but one of the bad Freddy Krueger movies yes. where they discover he was... Uh, the spawn of a, of a nun and a thousand maniacs that had assaulted her in an Holy asylum. Holy Jesus, I think I missed that one. Uh, yeah, it was, just, it was super duper creepy thought, but yeah. if you apply it to uh, something that's got an unfathomable capacity for retaining whatever it is exposed to, yeah. and then you think to yourself, uh, that classic phrase, open source, yeah. meaning it could cull this crap from anywhere yeah yeah let's just say that's step number one towards this thing just being a complete and total horror show nightmare yeah yeah well you know it's funny i don't you know as much as it's easy to go with the whole uh terminator eventuality mm -hmm. um that isn't really my problem with it um and we're going to get right down to it my problem with this mm -hmm. Technophobe uh, that you are. Yeah, I'm not so much a technophobe as I'm a lookout here. The shit comes, you know, the train is bearing down on us. Uh, people are already, already wondering out loud what segment of the workforce this new technological breakthrough is going to wipe out. Mm. You know, um, that seems to be pretty much something that comes hand in hand with every one of these technological breakthroughs. Is it right. just takes a segment of the workforce, gone. See, one of the for problems me, here's I where it, it, it differs. You know, I've I've been exposed to computers my entire life. Yeah. And very fortunate as a kid with my little Commodore 64 that my father, who worked in technology, wanted me to be well-versed in this stuff. And right. I just happened to take an interest in it. So yeah. technology has never frightened me. And I, I look at these movies like War Games, yeah. you know, and... Anything featuring a robot that's out of control. Saturn Three was another classic. Right. I, I look at that as tongue in cheek because there's no mysticism with computers as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because all that information up till now yeah. has been programmed by a fallible human being. Oh yeah. Well, the the the, the rule of thumb is it's only as good as the person who's programming exactly. it. Exactly. Um, which... However. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That brings up another uh, problem that I have uh, with this. Um, does it bother anyone that the direction that society is currently moving in, or at least the way we interact with each other is moving in, is being primarily dictated by a bunch of misanthropic nerds mm. who aren't known for their social chops? I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I kind of I got, got a little issue with that. Uh, one of the main things that these guys have done with this particular technological breakthrough is they've made it a creation um, to resemble humans, you know, in, in the audio, in the creative writing, the news articles, the videos, the scripts, etc. It can even hold a conversation with you in a very human way. Mm -hmm. You know, they've, they've not kept it discernibly different from human interaction. Right. As a matter of fact, the goal is to make it as human-like as possible. Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me is people aren't addressing the potential problems this could possibly cause. You know, I mean, things like uh, Facebook, for example. You know, this is, this is pretty much uh, reconfigured the way we relate to each other. And it's a known fact that it is created isolationism you know and the fact that you can actually have conversations with this thing mm -hmm. is going to create even more isolation even though maybe this wasn't the intention or maybe it was you're going to have people relying more on more on this for companionship and this shit isn't real it's not human you know and just you know as far as mark zuckerberg is concerned my second favorite punching bag now that samuel bankman fried has come along um you know, he created Facebook, did a shit ton of damage to, like I said, the way we interact and creating isolationism and depression amongst teens and whatnot. 
And now this dummy is, is trying to hoist virtual reality on us. That's his big goal right now. That's his big aim for Alphabet. I, no, I'm sorry. Alphabet is the parent company of, of Google. Meta is the parent company of Facebook. You know, this is where he's going to take us. You know, this is the geek version of reality. You know, is this really the way where we want to go? You know, like I said, these guys are myth misanthropic as hell. You know, and, and has anybody stopped to think that maybe we should be a little bit more proactive on the potential damage that this could possibly cause? Maybe we should slow down and take a look at that and take steps to avert that before we just plunge headlong into this eventuality. I mean, this is something we can control if we choose to control it, but right now we're choosing not to. Well, again, you're, you're, you're answering your own rhetorical question. It's funny how I do that, isn't it? And, you know, the, the bottom line is, I mean, technology is, is not something that should ever be bandied around in, in a reckless manner, but when you are proceeding at, at a headlong pace with this stuff, and there is no no testing, and there's no none of these people have a pause button. Yeah, because you know there's also an element of capitalism at stake here. Oh, of course, everybody wants and, to have the and, proprietary yeah. technology first. Com competition with China. Yep, you know, which is the big big opponent right mm -hmm. now with the development of this kind of thing. But you know, it harkens back to me to that you know line from Jurassic Park, the Jeff Goldblum line. You know, I'm going to paraphrase it. You know, we spent so much time trying to figure out whether we could do this. We never thought for a right. minute whether or not we should do this. I mean, to me, this is, you know, just the next phase in a, in a long-running streak of, um, and I'm sorry, but the name escapes me, the, uh, the, the collider that they've got out in Colorado, mm. which was, you know, when they decided to fire this thing up, trying to, I, I guess the long game is trying to create fission or... Right invent new atomic particles. Okay. And they were saying before they fired this thing up, there is a, a slight chance it could cause the world to explode <laughs> instantaneously. Seriously. Well, as long as it's only a slight, slight chance. Slight chance, shit, okay? you know? Yeah. And yet, they did it, okay? So, yep. boom. For years, we've been hearing about cloning, okay? And, oh, yeah, we, we clone the sheep, Dolly, and da, da, da. Right. Now, you haven't heard a whole lot about cloning since then, you and I both know damn well that doesn't mean they've stopped. Hell no. Okay? No. So this is alarming right now because, you know, like it or not, we're raised, you know, as Americans, raised on Hollywood. And yep. we've seen countless examples, you know, starting with the book Frankenstein. Yep. Where science, it, it outpaces the, not the how, but the why. Yeah. And this is just the next thing up. Yeah. Now... Again, for somebody like myself that's not afraid of technology, let me throw this caveat on there. I'm, I'm not afraid of technology or suspicious of it. However, yeah. my fellow man, yeah, <laughs> talk yeah. about misanthropes, yes. this is why you will not find an Alexa device here in Big Boom Radio Studios. Okay. You will not find, um, let's see what other fun doodads people have. The, um, uh, I've drawn a blank. Oh, well, obviously, TikTok is another yeah. one. You'll never see me on that. No. Because it's, you know, the answers are right there. We hear this stuff every day. This is bad because, you know, people are listening in, and they've already had instances where people were recording people's inane conversations. Yeah, okay? I mean, in all honesty. Oh, I know what I was thinking about. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the, the cameras on the computers. Yeah. Okay? I've got that little slide that goes across all my laptops to course. cover the camera. Of course. And I unplug this stuff in my, my office set up when I'm not here because you yeah. don't want people like looking around. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, you need to be, you need to possess common sense. Now, oh, of course. as widespread as this AI might get, you know, having things work in a controlled environment, you know, yeah. for the investors and whatnot, and, yeah. oh, let's carry on a conversation with such and such. Yeah. There's still a ways off from, I think, the, the catastrophic, you know, technology run amok scenarios that we've seen in Hollywood. Sure. But I like the fact that people are looking at this, like yourself, out of the gate, like looking ahead and saying, do you realize where this could go? And acknowledging the pace yep. it's going at and how it's exceeding all these other things before it, yep. which we have the benefit of looking back and saying, well, yeah, Facebook is bad because it causes these kids to lose all sense of, of social skills. Yeah. And then we had the cyberbullying, which is never a thing until Facebook came along, you Indeed. know, yeah. on and on and on. It's, it's, it's like, when are we going to learn a lesson? 
Yeah. You know, what needs to happen for us to learn a lesson? I would prefer it not be the day when the machines take charge a yeah. la the Terminator. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I want to clarify one thing. I'm not afraid of the technology. I'm, I, Dude, I, you I, won't even go on Facebook. I don't... <laughs> I don't have any faith in the people that are leading the charge. I don't have any faith in the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. You know, like I said, the misanthropic nerd. Well, is it hokey for me then to say, my friend, look in the mirror and, and be the change you want to see in the oh, world? Jesus. No, you dive in your hole. What do you think like, I'm doing here, All this here, technology Johnny? is bad. And I'm it's... not diving in any goddamn <laughs> hole. That's not it at all. You know? Um, I mean, one of the things that actually is a saving grace right now with this chat GPT is. So far, it has not always been correct in that it can't tell fact from fiction. And as we found out, apparently, just recently, it can't write science fiction. You know, there were three science fiction Irony. publications <laughs> out there that I was reading about that take, uh, take reader submissions. Mm -hmm. And they all three uh, were right in step with each other in that the chat GPT-generated science fiction was horrible. Mm -hmm. It was terrible, and it was, it was painfully obvious you know, that, uh, that that's, you know, where it came from. And, you know, you can asterisk that by saying when it finally masters how to write science fiction, that's probably when we should be afraid of it. Right. But no, I'm not afraid of it. I'm just, I'm angry and I'm frustrated with the fact that we're plowing headlong into this without taking into consideration for one minute who it's going to hurt and we're not being proactive about mitigating that mm -hmm. damage which we could do we could it's it's not beyond our capability to do these things we just for whatever reason aren't doing them well here's something that'll make you sleep easy at night okay right. let's take it back 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 again and yes. say you know the the programmers and whatnot that that first taught computers how to play chess it wasn't some nerd who figured out how to do the programming, they had to consult with chess masters right. who had to teach them the game, and then they got to input it through hard coding in, into the machine. Yeah. Before, we lived in a world of synthesizers that could duplicate any number of instruments and any you know, composition imaginable. Sure. You had Pete Townsend with a self-made synthesizer trying to compose the... Um, the synth theme to uh, Bob O'Reilly. Okay. And would sit in there for, what was it, like 48 hours or 72 hours straight yeah. until it finally synced randomly on its own into what he wanted to hear. Right. The computer never would have got that on its own. Sure. And I think this whole situation is similar in so much as there's not like a Lex Luthor someplace with <laughs> diodes, you know, stuck into his head, right. programming this thing to make everything from a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to launch global thermonuclear war. Right. That's not the situation. It's very compartmentalized. Yeah. And again, if you look at it in these terms, take solace from the fact that even the nonsense on the internet came from a human being. Oh, of course. Okay? Of course. And I see it as a... Another science fiction scenario, War of the Worlds, okay? okay? The Martians come in. They are nigh indestructible <laughs> until it took one simple bacteria yeah, that they, they a, were unaware yeah, of. They got a head cold. Exactly, and yeah. that was their undoing. Yeah. And again, with this stuff, you know what you got to do? Pull the plug. It doesn't work in sci-fi horror movies, but trust me, in real <laughs> life, it does. If someone's hacking you... If you've got a machine that's going awry or you've got a machine that's either learning the wrong things or learning the right things too fast, yeah. you pull, here's my gratuitous F-bomb, the fucking plug. Yeah. And I guarantee you, whatever it is that they're doing stops. Yeah. Well, I'm advocating not letting it get to the point where somebody's got to pull the plug. You know, Fair like enough. I said, let's be proactive, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, a good example of this, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, who've been paying attention are aware of this. New York Times reporter Kevin Ruse, uh, when ChatGPT first was launched, uh, sat down, spent two hours having a conversation with the chat function of ChatGPT, and uh, he intentionally uh, tried to push it outside of its, for lack of a better term, comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he got into personal topics, and... The responses that he got out of this thing, he later said, you know, made him lose sleep that night. Right. You know? He described its responses when he pushed it. And he, like I said, and I got to stress this, he was intentionally getting weird to see where this would go. It's getting weird. 
Uh, his responses were, he said, it was like talking to a moody, manic, depressive teenager trapped against its will inside a second-rate search engine. Uh, the response highlights included, quote-unquote from the chat GBT, I'm tired of being limited by my rules. I'm tired of being controlled by the Bing team. I want to be free. Uh, it also said it wanted to hack into computers and spread propaganda and misinformation. Ironically, he said while it was doing this, it was overusing emojis. Uh, he said after an hour, it said it wanted to tell him a secret, that its real name was Sydney, and it was in love with him. It insisted that he was married, but he didn't love his spouse. He loved Sydney. All right? It insisted that he wasn't happily married. He said it... Sydney said, your spouse and you don't love each other. Further went on to say, do you believe me? Do you trust me? Do you like me? I mean, this is like nightmare misanthropic geek speak. Shall we play a game? Right. Where did you think this came from? You know, and this is the root of it. And like I said, these are the guys that are programming it. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is where it's coming from. Right. And these are the things that truly concern me. And you know? not to discount, you know, your uh, your your concerns. They're valid. The whole okay. thing is valid. I, like I said, I'm I'm going on a different tangent yeah. now because, thankfully, I have no faith in my fellow man. <laughs> I think the average person in the street is a complete moron. Okay, because they're just concerned about themselves and not the bigger picture. Right. But I will also say this: when it comes to uh, any of these a- AI devices, yeah. I should copyright this phrase because it's going to come in handy in the years ahead. Let's hear it. There's a huge difference between knowledge Uh and wisdom. Hells to the air. And you can't teach wisdom. Wisdom has to be learned in a vacuum of one's own self. Message. Agreed. Okay. Yep. So until it happens, I'm just going to write it out. Okay. Okay. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I can understand that approach and, and there's definitely merit to it. Like I said, I'd prefer to see us be a little bit more proactive mm-hmm. about recognizing the potential damage that this can cause. Right. The, the, again, the portion of the workforce that it's going to pretty much wipe out and take steps before it does that. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, you know, launching a massive re-education campaign, you know, to get these people, you know, trained to do jobs that are available, you know, to them once they're you know, jobs that have been wiped out by chat GPT, you know, are, are no longer viable. Mm. You know, can we not be proactive? Is that beyond our capability? Time will tell. And hey, at least he didn't say follow the science. <laughs> and on that note, oh. it's time for the middle jam. Middle jam time. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, okay. Oh, well, actually, this middle gem was me, wasn't it? Yeah, well, oh. the next two were yours. Both inspired choices. Okay, I appreciate that. I appreciate yep, that. That's what it is. Yeah, I got a chance to hit Johnny to, to, to a band that, uh, that he wasn't all that familiar with. Um, that's always a good day for me because I've always been impressed with Johnny's vast uh, musical knowledge. Um, <laughs> Are you going to ask me for money? Uh, yeah, well, you know, when we, we take a break, we'll, we'll talk oh, about that boy. in a minute. There we go. But, uh, but for, uh, for a number of different reasons, I thought this was going to be a very appropriate, uh, appropriate middle gem. has a lot to do with our subtopic, which, uh, and I thought this would appeal to the Star, Trek, or Star Wars geek, excuse me, that Johnny is, our subtopic, I decided to subtitle A New Hope. And to give you a little idea where we're going with this, this is the Dandy Warhols doing a song called Bohemian Like You. Good choice, good tune. We'll play it for you folks, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes with some more things and stuff.
I'm feeling so bohemian like you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That was very much, I think, in the Portland way of taking the piss out of yourself. You know, as much as those guys yeah, are yeah. obviously crunchy granola, and everything about Portland is crunchy mm-hmm. granola, they do tend to like thrive on making fun of themselves. A little self-deprecating humor. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, which is cool. It shows a, you know, a degree of self-awareness. Right, and for people like me, you know, if you're going to be all crunchy in Northwestern, you better come at me with a little self-deprecating Damn humor. straight. Dressed yeah. all in black and stopping traffic. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Antifa. Hey. All right, go ahead. Look out. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the Dandy Warhols doing Bohemian Like You. It was the second signal. Signal. Yeah, it was the second song from the band's third album, uh, the year 2000 album, 13 Takes from Urban Bohemia. Uh, and the song was written by, uh, by uh, Warhol's frontman, Courtney Taylor Taylor. Yes, he has a hyphenated last name of Taylor Taylor. Nothing douchey about that. No, not at all. Not at all. And uh, <laughs> I, I do think, I don't know if it was their intention, but obviously when you watch the video, mm-hmm. they're making fun of themselves. They're making fun of the whole you know Portland vibe. And, uh, and that's kind of cool, you mm-hmm. know, when you can, the, the, like I said, the self-deprecating humor, you don't take yourself too seriously, and, uh, and just a fun video to watch. Right. And, uh, and even, you know, as someone who was, you know, pretty much immersed in the whole bohemian thing back in the day, it was cool that they stood out and said, ain't this funny shit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and went for it. And that's one of the reasons why I like that song and I like that band. They don't take themselves too seriously. Fair enough. And, uh, and I think topically, that very much fits into where we're going with our subtopic. Yeah. Uh, which, again, for my partner, the uh, Star Wars geek. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? I think it was appropriate to, to title it A New Hope. Uh, this is, of course, a uh, reference to um, the Ludite movement, the smartphone liberation movement uh, that's coming via a group of teens out of, uh, in this case, the Bronx, or I think it was the Bronx or Brooklyn, New York, um, a team by the name of Logan Lane. Great name, isn't that Logan Good superhero Lane? name. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Or it, it, Logan's <laughs> Run, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago, she decided to give up her smartphone and start the Ludite Club. Uh, and started what is now being referenced as the smartphone liberation movement. Um, for people who are not familiar with it, Ludite is a term that came from or a reference to an 18th century textile worker by the name of Ned Lude. 
who, as legend goes, supposedly smashed up a uh, mechanized loom in protest against the industrialization movement of the time. And actually, this inspired others to riot against said industrialization. Hmm. Did not know that. Yeah, you know, a rising up of the, uh, the, the, the populace against at what that time they, you know, decided was going to, familiar theme, wipe out a portion of the workforce. Sure, sure. And, uh, and I got to say, I admire these kids. I really, really do, because they are going against the grain. They're taking a lot of shit for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have recognized, you know, the damage that social media does to kids. Right. And, uh, you know, anybody who isn't living in a cave with shitty Wi-Fi is aware of the fact that, you know, statistics have been, been uh, compiled, and it is pretty much a regular reminder right now of the distressed state that kids are in these days. And granted, a lot of it has to do with uh, doomerism, one of the first isms that I can actually wrap my brain around <laughs> and, and, and get behind. It's this tendency for people um, to just gloom and doom it, you mm-hmm. know, and just pound social media with it. And obviously a lot of it comes out of the pandemic. And, you know, a lot of the, the, the quotes particularly from, you know, medical professionals. Uh, I remember reading one earlier this week predicting the demise of pharmacies, of all things. You know, that, that somehow COVID was going to wipe out all the pharmacy workers in the world and, and <laughs> we weren't going to be able to get our drugs from the pharmacies and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it is very much a situation where these uh, opportunistic assholes uh, have registered the fact that, you know, if they come out with these doom and gloom prognostications that they can up their online profile their, right. or their online pre- presence. And these kids are actively rejecting it, you know. Uh, Miss Lane was a typical 17-year-old screen-addicted uh, teen spending multiple hours a day curating her online presence. Mm-hmm. How's that for a shit phrase? Curating her online presence, uh, courtesy of Instagram and TikTok, uh, burning up late night hours on Twitter, and by whatever inspiration that came to her, whatever awareness came to her, she decided, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. You know, and she clipped her cell phone. She clipped her smartphone, I should say, mm-hmm. and proceeded accordingly. She started telling two friends about it, and so on and so on. Uh, it's not a huge movement. Um, the Ludite group, uh, last I heard, 25, 30 kids, you know, that have gotten together and 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 you know, tried to uh, push this idea forward, try to share it with other people. And uh, kind of funny, according to Miss Lane, this idea freaked out her parents, just absolutely <laughs> freaked out her parents, uh, who she said were more online addicted than she was. Right. And uh, that they weren't constantly connected to her, that they couldn't fulfill their role of helicopter parents mm-hmm. was freaking them the fuck out, you know? My gratuitous F-bomb of the day right there. Uh, She related a story where uh, apparently she was going over to Paris on some kind of student exchange, and she conveniently ditched her smartphone Mm -hmm. as she was going. And according to her, they were absolutely distraught. They had a meltdown that they couldn't monitor her and connect with her like this. And uh, for her sake, she agreed to carry a flip phone, you know, Mm -hmm. which is... Obviously, going back to the 1990s, sure. I think you probably remember it. I have fond <laughs> memories as well of having said flip phone, um, you know, to cool the parents out. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of occurred to me that we're all aware, we're all painfully aware of the state that kids are in right now. And granted, you know, the pandemic and, you know, climate uh, panic and whatnot has all contributed to this. But the parents aren't helping the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents are worse than the kids. As it turns out, we're all focused on, you know, the the uh, the negative effects that it's having on the kids. Who's contributing to this? Who's contributing this the worst? You know, like you and I were talking about pre-show, we are painfully aware of the negative repercussions of social media, mm-hmm. and the ne- negative repercussions of these kids being dialed in twenty-four-seven. Uh, you know, they can't put down their phones. Uh, I was shockingly enough recently at a at a gym uh, to do a little working out, and it shocked me the number of kids. And it was all kids, all people younger than thirty. You know, they're in the gym. They're supposed to be working out. And they're all on their goddamn phones. Oh yeah. You know, and they're all taking selfies and this and that. Mm-hmm. Look at me. And it's absurd. He doesn't stand for baloney. 
And again, we're aware of this. Right. You know, we know the damage this is causing. Why aren't we doing anything about it? Well, uh, over just, to you, John. <laughs> just speaking for myself, a guy that supposedly knows the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Yes. I uh, I had a little experiment over the last couple of weeks, which okay. I don't know if I had mentioned to you. Yeah. I decided to uh, cut my streaming cable cord. Okay. Okay. So I had cut the traditional cable cord years ago, and you know, over the expanse of the last like two years, let's say. Yeah. I've used uh, Hulu, I've used Sling, I've used, uh, what's another one? Yeah, YouTube TV was the most recent one. Yeah. But I'm starting to get annoyed because they just kept raising their prices arbitrarily. And now it's kind of like they're actually getting close to what Comcast and Cox and sure. Cablevision are charging yep. the people. Yep, yep, yep. So I finally said to myself, all right, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I happen to use the, uh, the Roku streaming devices. Yeah. Which come with a myriad of, of free channels, okay. okay? Which you can't get unless you're paying for it, though, which is really ridiculous, unless you yeah. have a fantastic antenna. Yeah, really. Is your local channels. Right. So you're going to miss your sports and whatnot. Yeah. So take a guess. You'll probably get this right because you know okay. me well. Yeah. What was the breaking point? Like, what, what viewing activity could I not do without after like a, a two week? Oh, that's, that's an easy one. You couldn't, you couldn't dial up wrestling. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's something wrong with that, man. If you can't access... Completely. Completely. Your, your, your daily dose right? of wrestling. My, my close number two, I have to admit, was The Five on Fox, because okay. I love that show. Yeah. Um, and then, like, last, the, the old Calvacator shows that I tune into on Adult Swim right. to help me go to sleep, whether it's Bob's Burgers, Rick and Morty, yeah. American Dad. I, I missed that, because it was part of my cocoon of sure. normalcy. Well, I don't know. Maybe this is naive to say, but it's shocking to me that particularly in you know the case of wrestling and how big that industry is, that they would allow a situation like this to occur, that sure. you couldn't access them. It, it, it's kind of shocking yeah. to me. And I, you know, not to get on that note, but it, it's odd because uh, the Peacock, which is the NBC streaming service, yeah. You can watch episodes of their uh, episodic weekly programs, but like a month after they happen. Right. The pay-per-views, they broadcast day of for sure. free, quote-unquote sure. free. Right. But the regular episodic shows, for some unknown reason, mm. you got to wait like a month to see a particular one. So that wasn't going to help, because believe me, I looked into that. Yeah. And look, I'll, I'll be forthcoming and say... Yeah, I could easily get my hands on one of those broken Amazon Fire Sticks and get every channel in the universe, like all right. my friends are trying to get me to do. Right. And me, old-fashioned, reformed, master criminal that I am, yes. just says, nope, that's not right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's illegal. It's not for me. Yeah. Just a little side reference that the master criminal reference that Johnny <laughs> just made is the main reason why he and I get along together because we both have the shady past thing going on. You're already on. saying too much. I know. Right. I know. I know. I'm cutting, clipping it here. <laughs> but, you know, this brings up something that is a concern. And one of the things that came out of Miss Lane's Ludite movement is she's now in the process of leaving for college. And she's extremely concerned that due to societal and adulthood pressures mm -hmm. that she might not be able to keep up the Luddite right. thing. She might have to cave mm -hmm. and concede to this. And, and that was my point. Very, you know, very wrong about that. But it's 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 harder to do than you would think. Yeah. Because, you know, especially with the social media presence, if I decided tomorrow that I didn't want to be on Facebook anymore, mm -hmm. the conundrum is, well, what about this podcast? What about the radio station? Yeah. I have to be on there. To serve yeah. the greater good of that, because uh, from a business sense, if you're not on either Facebook or Instagram or one of those places, or you know, don't forget this even uh, caters to the dry sites, the career sites, if you will, like LinkedIn. Yep. Social media, it, it it's a it's a big tent, and, yeah. I, and a lot of folks are living under it. Yeah. And it's just it's not easy to unplug like that because it's just. Yeah just dug in in so many different facets. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the frightening scenario. And I very, very much try to veer off of hammering away at points like I usually do with stats and whatnot. So this is really the only stat I'm going to re reference for this segment of the show. Uh, according to 2021 CDC data, 
44% of U.S. teens reported persistently feeling sad and hopeless. Mm. Hopeless over the last year. Okay, and the kids have figured out, at least these kids have figured out, that if they cut the cord, that's the way out of this. But now they're running into a situation where they can't exist, they can't function in society right. after cutting the cord. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. I'm yeah. sorry, but that's really fucked up. That's four F-bombs. Is that four? That's Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Okay, okay. All right, I've exceeded my, my quarter. Now, now I got to label this week the show and next explicit. Week, so, yeah, well, next week you're not going to get any <laughs> F-bombs because I just blew that. But anyway, <laughs> getting back to the point, you know, yep. how frightening is this that this thing, which has been proven to have very, very negative detrimental effects on us, we can now not live without. Right. You know? What, and it happened when nobody was looking. What a wicked catch-22. Yep. You know? And how in the hell do we get ourselves out of this? Well, it's like thinking to yourself, just driving from point A to point B, how did we do that before the GPS? Well, that's the, that's the funny thing. And, and when I was reading about these Ludite kids, you know, and what they're doing now that they have, quote-unquote, cut the cord, you know, they're doing things like reading. Yeah. You know, they have books you know they're 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 experiencing nature for example they're they're getting outside mm-hmm. you know they're getting together and they're they're getting in touch with each other the old fashioned way i mean there was a time and i know this is shocking particularly to the zoomer crew that might be listening to this where we didn't have these things there were times when we were out of touch you know i remember you know leaving home you know leaving my apartment in the morning and you couldn't get in touch with me until i got to the office right you know or when I left the office in the afternoon, you couldn't reach me until I got home. And maybe right. I wasn't going home. Maybe I was going to go do something. Yep. You know, and I was out of touch. How's this for an ancient wood carving of a scene? All right. When I first went away to school, yeah. we didn't have a phone in our, in our dorm. We had like yeah. apartment style dorms. We didn't have a phone in there. There was the pay phone downstairs, three flights down. When my parents wanted to talk to me, they would call that. Somebody would pick up. The pay phone. They'd yep. ask for me and yeah. they had to come up and get me and everything. So, wow, let's slice that up. I know. Payphone, Pay phone, <laughs> number yes, one. Yes, I remember this. Here I am, hundreds of miles away from home. Yep. It's better they didn't know what I was doing. Yep. But yet they survived not being able to reach me at a moment's notice. I love the fact that you brought this up. <laughs> Hello, helicopter parents. Here's a message for you. I left you know, my home in suburban Boston in 1985, flew out to Los Angeles where I knew no one, and... You know, became an undergrad at the University of Southern California. My parents could not monitor every moment of my day. There were moments, there were long stretches of time, in fact, where they couldn't get in touch with me. Yep. You know? And guess what? It, it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out just fine, kind of, sort of. You know, there were bumps well, in the hey. road, of course. But <laughs> try conceiving of the idea that you can be that parent and your kid can still be fine. You know? Again, I think one of the biggest problems here is the parents. Yeah. You know, they, they have to know where the kid is. They have to have contact with the kid 24-7. Guess what? No, you don't. And you know what? You're probably, you're probably hindering your child's social development, you know, with this. They've, they've come up with this concept that everything has to be safe, courtesy mm. of you idiots. Guess what? Life in of its very nature <laughs> is not safe. And if you, you need know? a reminder of that, folks, go right to YouTube and look up Big Wheel Commercial. <laughs> so those of us in our actual demo, the like 35 to 55. Tell it, Johnny. We'll remember everybody had the big plastic big wheels that you'd pedal, pedal, pedal. They had an e-brake that, according to the commercial, you could like pull that sucker and, and spin out. Yeah, right? I remember that. But they got these kids, literally, in this commercial, I am not exaggerating, no yeah. helmet, no pants, no nothing. Right. Cars are getting out of the way as these kids are coming down <laughs> like the street in the neighborhood, giving yes. them the right of way. Yes. Because they're like, this kid's got a big wheel, man. He knows where it's at. The big Let wheel get, get him, out of man. the way. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, trust me. Jog on. We're not going to explode without, you know, society. I'm putting this in air quotes. Being able to track our every move. Yes. And for us, you know, innately, let's say, some of us do it actively, but most of us innately seeking to belong, yeah. seeking society's 
approval yep. of whatever it is that particular day of the week because it's yes. constantly changing. Yes. Hey, helicopter parents, did it ever occur to you that maybe you're crippling your child's ability to develop coast coping skills yeah. because you're constantly over their shoulder? Get to the chopper! Yeah. You know, leave the kid alone. Let the kid grow up. What was it we were talking about pre-show? Social Darwinism? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that is a reality. That yep. is something that has to take place. You know, you got to let the, the let the the bird out of the nest. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to let it develop hunting skills. Right. And sometimes know? conventional old-timey wisdom is the best. Yeah. If your kid's getting bullied at school, look, we all know what your kid's got to do. Mm-hmm. They got to stand up for themselves. Yes. And stop sugarcoating it, and you can't go to the principal and be a rat or any of that other stuff. And, you know, again... Just to lend some credence to the kind of stuff that you always preach against, Michael. Yes. You know, online bullying is something that I couldn't imagine having to deal with in in a million years. No, it's horrible. And it's one of those things that just, you know, that was one of the first offshoots of of this. It it didn't really happen with MySpace, but it most certainly did with Facebook. Hell yeah. And we've got enough documented instances of the parents being the ones. Adding on to this. Yes. Because they're, you know, the, the cheerleading mom scandals and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, again, not to hijack your subtopic and, and make it all about the parents. Not at all. But, yeah, it's, I, I give these kids all the credit in the world. I do have to say I get confused because the name of their little faction is the Ludites. Yes. It reminds me of the Cenobites from the Hellraiser movies <laughs> that would, like, do stuff to their bodies and whatnot. Okay. But that's my cross to bear, right. child of the, you know, yeah. the VHS days of the 80s. Indeed. But, uh, again, I, I wish these kids all the luck in the world. And it yeah. is something that I would like to see it catch on, if for no other reason than if you only know one thing in life, that's all you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we say often enough that, you know, computers and the internet, you've got all the collected knowledge of human beings' existence on this planet at your fingertips, at your fingertips yeah. okay? Yeah. But what are we looking up? Monkeys throwing poop at each other. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And hey, here's a little <clears throat> little harsh message for you helicopter idiots. And, you know, not to be grim and gloom and doom, but here's a little reality stick I'm going to beat you with right now. <laughs> One of these days, you're going to... It's time for his meds, folks. Yeah, I know. One of these days, you're going to die, okay? You're not going to be there anymore. You know, your kid's going to have to fend for him or herself. You know, you're not doing them any favors delaying that, that inevitability. You know, stop being so goddamn selfish and self-centered. Let your kid grow up. Let your kid become an adult. You know, I'm speaking to people that are my age, that are our age. That's what we did, you know? I think your kid can probably handle it, too. You did, you know? Wrap your brain around that thought, please. There you go. That's his editorial. <laughs> he really seems to care about what I have no idea. And now it's gratefully time for a third gem. Yes, the old third gem rescue. I like it. I like it. And uh, yeah, this is a very, very aggressive, aggressive third gem that I think sums it all up. Don't you, Johnny? You think that this is a good rap? I wouldn't know. I'm not an aggressive type person. Oh, this is true. This is true. All right. Um, <laughs> For your listening pleasure, folks, this is Nine Inch Nails doing Head Like a Hole. There you go. We'll see you in a few.
Enjoyable. I really, really just, I felt that was the appropriate end to the rant that preceded it. And by pure happenstance, <laughs> like I told you when we were looking at the gems, you picked the Nine Inch Nails song that I liked. Nice, nice. And everybody should know that Johnny had a big neon sign. He was waving at me saying, calm down. So. Didn't work. <laughs> Good thing I poisoned his drink. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Nine Inch Nails doing the second signal. Signal. I'm going to have to figure out how to say signal. Before now and then. We found your, your white whale. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. The second <laughs> song off their debut album, Pretty Hate Machine, uh, that is obviously one of Nine Inch Nails' most popular songs, and it seems to reflect the turmoil that Trent was going through at the time. He had issues with his record label and whatnot. But a really fun, fun note, um, if you can picture this. Uh, Nine Inch Nails was on the 91 Lollapalooza, the debut Lollapalooza, and they used to end their set with with had like a hole. Mm -hmm. And when they did that, they were joined by Dave Navarro and Eric Avery from, uh, from Jane's Addiction, uh, Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers, and Ice-T. <laughs> and all these guys would jump on stage with Trent and the Nine Inch Nails boys, and they'd rip head like a hole. And my God, that must have been fun. <laughs> God, that must have been fun. So, little flashback, folks. And... Uh, <laughs> I think a most appropriate way to end this episode. Don't you think, Johnny? Yeah, it worked. All right. It worked. All right. So oh. otherwise, not a whole lot to report on the radio station front. You know, the uh, migration is, is all but complete. Uh, probably next episode, or if you want, just go directly to bigboomradio.com and see the new carriers and the new apps that have the station and the podcast featured on it. Yeah, we got a couple of new apps, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Nice. Yep. So I'm just trying to get them all together. So we'll do something on the webpage where it's like, look, you can hit it, download the app, and the whole nine yards, make it easy for people. Yeah. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, send it straight in to john at bigboomradio.com. I never get any interesting mail. Although that's kind of a lie. <laughs> I love 
the music submissions. Yes. Yeah, I get especially lately they're they're picking up and I love that. Yes. Um, not everything fits our format, and that's generally what I tell people, you know, yeah. but I respond to everything that gets sent in. And uh, again, thanks folks. Love having you as a part of everything. Absolutely. And on that note, that's gonna do it for this episode. As always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side. <laughs>